Welcome back. I'm Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team and your host of Business Matters radio show and podcast. We do this radio show for Real Talk 93.3, and we're in studio today. We're actually doing the second episode with uh, Bill Wilson today. Uh, we had we just finished the, the first episode, and Bill is the author of this book, The Magic of What, Who, How, and Why Not, The Four Keys to Improve Business Outcomes. We really tackled in the first uh, the first show, the what, who, and how. Uh, we did not get into the why not. We're going to go into the why not in this show. We're going to take a de- deeper dive into the who. So you want to make sure to listen to this full show. Uh, this is the, pre, the pre-show, the show before the show. This is exclusive for the podcast. Uh, we're going to get started with recording for the radio show now. So, Bill, before we get started, I want to say thank you. Welcome back. Got a lot of good information in the first show you did and looking forward to uh, finishing this off with the why not and deeper dive on the who. So thank you so much. And tell us where we can get this book. Uh, You can get it on Amazon. Okay. Um, Or they just shoot me a note or give me a call. Be happy to make them available. Okay. So we have all of our other shows. They're on Apple Podcasts. They're also easy access on our website, beanteam.com. You'll find all the shows there with a listing of the description. So if you want to get in touch with one of our previous guests, just send me an email. Uh, you can contact me through the website, and I'll be happy to make the connection uh, to Bill or whoever else we've had on our show. So uh, buckle up, get ready for another exciting show of Business Matters. So with that, John, get us started with the music, and we'll get ready to roll. Good morning and welcome back. I am your host, Charles Musgrove of the Business Matters Talk Show right here on Real Talk 93.3. I'm also with the Beam Team and today we've got another exciting show, one that will bring happiness to your heart. We're going to bring some magic. Matter of fact, the name of the book Bill Wilson has authored is called The Magic of What, Who, How, and Why Not. The Four Keys to Improve Business Outcomes. You're going to want to listen for episode number two with Bill Wilson. Bill, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Man, I tell you what, we just finished uh, show number one, rolling into number two, and this is uh, this is great stuff. This is for those people in business, those people that own a business, work in a business, really um, how to be successful at the business how how can hiring decisions how can training decisions how can processes really impact business outcomes it, it, it's uh you know if, if you have a goal if you set an expectation you're a lot more likely to hit that goal absolutely so uh, this is you've lived this i mean this is uh this is not something that you just sat down and wrote a book one day you've lived this yeah i've been we've been out in the field for a number of years with a bunch of different industries and all different size companies from a single practitioner up to somebody as large as farmers insurance with you know fifty thousand employees yeah so that that is uh we talked about this in show one and we'll do a recap of the book because those that didn't listen to the first show they want to they want to be able to catch up so that that's always the example that i that i use that you've had is farmers insurance. I think everybody is aware of farmers insurance. They've seen the 
the cool commercials on TV with uh, the movie star and the jingle, and it's all cool, and they got cool little stories. And well, that that whole campaign got started around the University of Farmers, which was what we created to deal with their new agent success. See and, that that's just and the that's su- crazy. The success of the new agent program, they picked up and rolled that into their national advertising campaigns, which they've been running now for 13, 14 years. That, uh, that's, that's, that's really cool that that training, them wanting to improve outcomes, resulted in this. It's almost like a, a one message now that has just kind of impermeated their whole organization. Well, they're the, by their numbers, um, the shift in what we did with new agent success in the first five years uh, increase their premium income by something in excess of two hundred million dollars. So wow, that's that, that got some people's attention. That that'll. I hope you got royalties on. That. I wish, boy, I, that that would have been the deal. I, Don't, I tried. I tried to price it that way, but they didn't. Buy man, it, so, so hindsight being, I, if you did that in foresight, that's awesome. But if you were able to negotiate your contract on improved outcome give us a percentage of that. That would have been pretty cool. I have. I've never been able to get anybody to agree with that, um, and. Part of the problem is I, I've used it when they object to the budget. Uh, we, we lay out the plan. We say this is what it's going to cost. They go, oh, we couldn't, we couldn't do that. So then I come back and say, okay, well, we'll do it for less amount with a percentage of the savings. You, with this process, you can see the ROI up front. They do their ROI calculation, and they look against, and they, oh, that budget wasn't a problem after all. They'll pay it. And, and, and the, they've never been able to buy into the royalty piece or the, or the percentage of improvement piece. That's, that's pretty cool. So let me set this up, and we'll both run through the, the, uh, the, the previous part of this. The magic of, and there's four elements of this, the what, who, how, and why not. Yeah, so when I do a presentation on this book, I do it as a magic show. Oh. And I use magic tricks to anchor the key learnings. It, it gets more people involved, gets some people up on stage. It's more entertaining, and it's more memorable. Well, you so can I, do magic through the radio, right? So I brought my I brought my deck of cards today. So you want to pick a card and just slide it over there. Don't look at it. Now, you had a choice of cards. I didn't force anything. You just took the card you wanted. So I have picked a card. You have a card. So in the deck of cards, there are how many colors? There's four. Colors colors of they're on the top there's only one no but on the cards there are two colors red and black right? red and black yes. okay which would you like red or black red red okay and the red cards you have number cards and face cards which would you like face face cards. in the face cards you have the king queen and jack which would you like let me tell you huh the king the king that leaves the queen and jack if you had the queen and jack which would you like the queen that's right and you know why you picked the king and queen because, because they go together the, you couldn't put the jack because it's there on the table all right, I'm going to look. Okay. There is a jack on the table. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. So the what is getting clear about what your outcomes are. I, we got to find out how he did that, but that's after the, I, I after the I show. T- I can't tell you that. You know, the, but magicians can't tell the, the I secret. Can, if, if I know what that outcome is, then I can create a strategy and the questions I ask and the answers you give me to get you to that outcome. Right? And that's, that's right. the same way with business. If I know what the outcome is I want, now I can build a strategy. So that's a, that goes framework. back to 
like when you went into farmers, we know we want to improve this. This yes. is the outcome that we want, our desired outcome. So let's backtrack into how do we get there. And build a strategy of how to get there. Okay. So once we define that outcome and how we're going to measure the success, because that's critical of knowing what's success rate. What are we doing now? What do we want to do? How much sales improvement do we want? How much customer service improvement do we want? You know, whatever that is. Then who in the organization can have an impact on that outcome? And how do those people need to behave to create that success? Okay, so okay. we've got the what. The who and the how. All right. What do we want to do? Who needs to do it? And how do they need to behave to get there? Okay. And then the next question is, why are they not behaving that way now? And what we find is we throw training at a lot of things training can't fix. In a lot of these organizations, there are policy issues. There's rules and regulations. There's lack of technology. Safety. There's all kinds of stuff going right. on. Some legitimate reasons on why not. Right. But some that we just haven't looked at, there's some sacred cows out there that really get in the way of being productive. Right. And you can't do this because, you know, Susie lives over there and that's the way Susie works and we don't mess with Susie because she's been here for 40 years and that's just the way things are. But Susie is a bottleneck to getting things done. But the process clearly identifies those things. The other piece it will identify is what are the real learning needs that the people have to being able to behave the way they need to behave to get things done. So that, again, is found in the why not. Right. So the reason they may not be performing that task like you want them to is because they don't know how. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the skill or their attitude is not in the right place to do what they need to do the way they need to do it. And, to, and what that means is that if we're going to build training, we're rifling in this group on a skill problem. So I'm just training a little bit. I'm not broadcast training everybody on everything. So I cut my training time way down. I cut my training cost way down, and my, and my outcomes go way up. And you can measure those easier, You can measure too. those outcomes easily. Okay. You have to measure them if you know, you know, right. to get any kind of an ROI calculation. Why are you doing this if you're not, you know, if you're not figuring out what it costs you and what you're getting in return? What, and it's a good deal. So one thing when we, when we talk about measuring the outcome or measuring the change, one thing that we talked about in episode one was when you went into this project with Farmers Insurance, their retention uh, ratio or success ratio with their new agents was thirty eight percent. So when you started it, when you started that project, the the business owners or the management said, okay, we define success as 75%. Right. So there was a collective agreement that if we can have retention or what we define as success as 75%, we would have, we would reach our goal. And we would be willing to invest this amount of money to make that happen. Okay. So there- Because it's going to perturn- per- provide enough return that we're willing to do that right so there was some other there was a lot more uh thought and calculations that went into that so if they achieved 75 percent, they knew what that what kind of dollar amount that would drive therefore they knew what they would be willing to invest to to achieve that goal and it wasn't just dollar amount that they would achieve it was cost that they could avoid 
Right. So because two bringing two, on sixteen hundred people a year and losing sixty percent of them in two years is an expensive proposition. Absolutely. So you got a net benefit there, both from reduced cost and improved on the revenue side. So as, as another example, we did a we reworked the new hire training for Ethicon Endosurgery with Johnson and Johnson's laparoscopic tools group and by the way we did the redesign uh we cut their annual training expense 1.5 million dollars a year which was wow a multiple of the cost of the program plus we got a 16 percent increase in sales for new reps over what they were getting before wow was that even part of the measurement going in that we're going to increase the the sales by the reps we we did not have a specific sales goal um, we built the whole program on the basis of the cost reduction. The other, the other challenge there was that new reps were, their first day was in Cincinnati at the National Training Center, and they were in Cincinnati for 13 weeks. Wow, that's so they a long had, time. They had people that wouldn't take the job, couldn't take the job that they really wanted because of that. So we cut the Cincinnati time to seven weeks, and that savings of transporting trips home, hotels, all of that for as many people as they did. That was a million and a half a year just by changing the amount of time they had to spend in Cincinnati. That was more than enough to justify what we were doing. And then on top of that, they got a 16% increase in sales. Wow, interesting. <clears throat> so we have gone through the the what, the who, the how. Let's let's dive into the – we're talking about the why not. So what what else – when you identify the why not – that helps define the changes that you're going to try to implement. Yeah, and you have you have two sets of changes. You have the learning changes, training program, whatever that takes to change the behavior. And then you have the organizational changes and what needs to happen to get things out of the way of people not being able to behave the way they need to to be successful. So that may that may fall back on onto the the comp plan that the company's using. It could, it could be comp plan, it could be um, technology, it could be um, policies and procedures, it could be supervision. Right. Uh, a lot of what goes on is bad managers or managers that are not doing the job uh, to get, you know, to get the employees where they need to be, not supporting them. Um, people don't leave companies, they leave managers. Yeah. And, well, and you that know, whole manager piece is a is one of those why nots right. that you have to deal with. Probably in in large organizations, those a lot of those managers may be there just because they've survived or they've 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 been the ones that have remained after the others have left. Not necessarily because they're the better. Right. So. Yeah, I'm the top salesman, so I become the sales manager. Right. I'd have been a whole lot better off staying as top salesman than exactly. I was becoming the sales manager. Let's, Bill. Let's. Um, Let's take a, a closer look at the who. Mm-hmm. I know that's uh, that's who we're focusing on. We talked in the in the other episode. The who, as one of those four elements, they may also be participating in the team that's driving this process. They may also be outside of the organization. So let's let's take a deep dive into the who. There are two groups of who's. There's the internal who and the external who. Um, the internal who. Uh, what we find is if if you were to rank, and I know some organizations do, uh, GE was, when Jack Welch was there, was 
big on ranking the employees and in cleaning out the bottom 10% every year and that kind of thing. What we've found is if you were to take the employees and evaluate them on an ABCD scale, uh, and the Gallup poll stuff basically supports the numbers, that you've got 10 or 12, 13% that are A's, you've got about the same number that are B's, 50% are C's, and about 25% would be classified as D's. They're not D employees. And in 90% of the cases, they're in the wrong job. We, we put somebody in a position that they're not really geared to do, and they're not performing well. Maybe that manager that has just survived because they're a manager because they're the only one left, or they're the best salesman. Worked, worked with a guy who was a turnaround expert, and he and his partner – did a lot of, of distressed company turnarounds. His partner worked on the financial side. He worked on the people side. And what he found was that simply by moving people around and getting them into the right job, and he did, you know, he would find some that just didn't fit that had to go. But without any increased cost, he could get a 25 to 30% increase in productivity just by getting better job alignment for the mm-hmm. staff that was there. And through that developed a an assessment instrument that that helped him make those determinations. That's the one we use on the on the hiring side. Uh, <clears throat> so, on when we hire people, right now most organizations they they put out an advertisement, they get a bunch of applications, they review those applications, they sort through them and decide who they want to do initial screening interviews with. They do those interviews. They may send those people to a second screening interview, get them down further, get down to a top handful of people for an in-person interview. Then they get down to three or four people, and they, if they're using an assessment tool at all, they use it on those three or four people. By that point, they pretty much decided who they want, and they rationalize away the assessment stuff. So uh, the assessment is really just a perfunctory exercise yeah, absolutely so what we what we recommend on the hiring side is number one when we get the applications in we just lay them aside first thing we do is send all those applicants a cultural questionnaire here's who we are here's what we believe here's how we do answer these six or seven questions for us it does two things one it gives us a sense of who they are and how they might fit in our culture a strong believer you hire for culture trained for skill. Um, second, it gives you a writing sample, so you see how they communicate. I would agree back to the, the culture. You can have the right, somebody can have the right skill set and be able to perform the task, but if they can't get along with others or they're a misfit into the culture, then it's it's not going to work. It's not a good idea. Right. So first is the cultural screening, and then of those that kind of pass the cultural screening, we send them the assessment tool. And what we've done is we've done a deep dive on the behaviors we need in the job. And we have a process for defining the job in terms of the results that we get from the, we use the core value index from Taylor Protocols, uh, that in, in terms of Taylor Protocols um, outcomes. And it, if they pass the culture screening and they pass the CVI screening, then we go look at the those resumes and we schedule phone interviews so really what you're defining there is it's a much more objective process and much faster i'm not i'm not looking at 100 resumes i might be looking at 10 
and those Put ten have the right, been right, the right ten, and those ten have been filtered down from Correct. culture, right. culture, culture fit, and a skill set, skill fit, uh, the right aptitude for doing the job, not necessarily the skills. skills. Okay. So when I look at the application, what the application tells me is the self-proclaimed skills. It doesn't really tell me what skills they have. Can they really do it? Can they really do it? So both the phone interview and the in-person interview, we use behavioral-based interviewing. Um, And a behavioral-based interviewing model says the root is tell me a time when, what's the the behavior we need that you did X, Y, Z, what was the situation, what was your involvement, and what was the result? The best predictor, the research shows, of future success is past success. Right. So I've got my phone interview is like seven or eight questions about key things in this job. And I want to hear what you've done, what was the situation, what was the result around specific behavior. So you're trying to match those up. Have they done this needed task in the past? And how have you done it? And I... I strongly recommend using a panel to do the interviews. So I've got half a dozen people. One person asks all the questions, all in the same order of all the candidates. Everybody has a scoring sheet, and they're making notes, and they're scoring each answer like on a scale of one to five, one being yeah, and five being yeah, that's exactly what we need. When we get through, we review those, see how close we are on our scores, talk about any significant difference, and we end up with a numeric score for that interview. So now I'm back to my objectives. Yeah. I've got an objective order of the people based on that interview score. I'm going to take the top three to an in-person interview. I'm going to do that again with the panel with another set of behavioral-based questions. 95% of the time, i got an A player. Wow, that sounds uh, very logical. And it's faster, takes a lot less effort, it's more objective, and, and it'll get you an A player 95% of the time. Well, the benefit of that, too, is not only have you you achieved that 95% success ratio, but just you reduce the, the pain and suffering of training somebody that doesn't fit, the cost of bringing them in, starting over with another person, trying to find another. I mean, the, the cost of bringing in a new person that's going to last, especially as the as they move up the ranks, if they're if they're a manager level position, then that becomes very critical that you get the right one to start with. Bad hires are very expensive. They are time, money, the whole bit. Uh, yeah. Plus, it's uh, yeah. I don't have to tell you the just the training of a new hire mm-hmm. for them not to work out to start over. It's frustrating to the people that are there that are investing in doing the training. So it's uh, it's a costly exercise all around. Right. And, and the thing that's critical is and pick what assessment tool you want. I mean, I, I, I use the core value index because I've used a number of – I've been doing HRE kind of related stuff for 40 years. I've used a number of different tools. Um, a lot of them are behavioral-based or personality-based, and they shift over time. Uh, I locked on the core value index because they've got 20 years of experience that says, and data that says if you take it today and you take it five years from now, there's a 97% chance you'll score exactly the same. Interesting. So that's more predictable right. on the hiring side than a behavioral based inter- you know, question or survey that it's only 60 to 70% reliable a year from now. Interesting. 
Bill, this is uh, this has really been good. I know we've talked about the the what, who, how, and why not. We talked a lot in this episode about the who and the. This really really is full circle when we when you go into an organization, then you you're making changes. You're addressing the who can impact the outcome, and then with that education, then you're taking the who and you're moving it to the front line and said, okay. Here is the profile, or this is how we better hire the person, that who person. Mm-hmm. So you've moved it from let's fix it, let's make, make our process and our people better and align them better to now let's hire better. And you can also use the same tool to realign people inside. Like we talked about the, the reworking of, exactly. the, of the, distru- the distressed people. So if I've really done this assessment on all my jobs and I've used the assessment tool to decide what's there, I give that assessment to all my internal people. And now I can say, who do I have that's not in the right job? And now can I shift some people around inside and without increased cost and without bringing anybody else in, increase my productivity just with the staff I got by getting them in positions where they're better suited to do the work that's required. Right. Yeah, that's um, – I, I don't know if that's a more difficult process to, to oh, realign it people. It is, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah, I would think it is because they get um, they get used to performing the tasks that they've been performing, and they get identified with that. But you got you got people who are, are not being successful. They know they're not being successful, and, and they would like to be successful. And, and you'd be surprised how many of those people would gladly move somewhere else into a position that's more suited to what they want to do where they can be a B, A or B player instead of being considered a D player and, and everybody wish they weren't there. Yeah, I guess that's that's really the bottom line too. People people want to be happy yep. at their job. Yep. And happiness, part of that has got to be defined by success. They they perceive that they're successful at their job, therefore they're happier, therefore they it's almost a a circle cycle process so if they're happier they're going to be more successful they're going to work harder they're going to be better at their job and you get into that whole issue of then of managers and how are the managers evaluating that behavior how are they coaching is it a knowledge problem skill problem attitude problem and what am i doing to help that employee depending on where those weaknesses are to get them closer to the performance that i'm really looking for in my opinion manager only has two jobs one job is to make everybody that works for them successful. And if they can't do that, then the next job is to find that person someplace else to go be successful. Right. Yeah, Either I'm, in or out of the organization. Yeah. That, we didn't talk about that, but I'm glad you brought that up. There are some people that may just not fit for the organization. Exactly. And like you said, the manager's responsibility at that point is to coach them out mm-hmm. or to help them find another position elsewhere, even if that's outside the organization. Absolutely. Bill Wilson, thank you so much. My pleasure. This has been exciting. You have delivered the nuggets, the nuggets of information on how to improve business outcomes, large business, small business. We even had a magic show today. (laughs) There's two colors. (laughs) There's two colors in a deck of cards, Mm -hmm. and you properly, successfully achieve the magic trick. You won't tell me what it is. Nope. Join us next week. Same time. Same channel, Real Talk 93.3. I'm Charles Musgrove, host of Business Matters. We're going to bring some more nuggets, some more information that you're going to want to hear. You do not want to miss it. Check us out then. Have a great day, a blessed week. See you then. Peace. Yeah.
Dollar bills, y'all. Come on now. 